In this episode of the podcast, we talk with someone who pursued a dream and the unexpected journey that came Honest and open to all religions, all traditions, all ages, and all levels of experience. Radically accessible, pragmatic, and eye-opening. Simply for everyone. Welcome to the Meditation Mind Podcast. We'll take you on a journey across the globe and talk with others about their practice, the lessons they've learned, and what they want the world to know. Good day and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Christian Neitzel, and I'm incredibly grateful you've joined me on this journey today. My intention is to give you hands-on insights and advice to deepen your practice and come closer to achieving a happier mind. So today, we talk with Mego Merck, who walked 20,000 kilometers or 12,472 uh, miles in 22 countries in three years and three months. He walked in uh, many countries, Estonia, Latvia, India, Nepal, Iran. Um, there are many interesting facts to mention about his journey, like the fact that he used a total pair of uh, 24 uh, shoes, <laughs> uh, 24 pairs of shoes to spend an average of 3,000 to 3,600 euros per year and started learning Taekwondo and stayed at a Zen monastery in uh, Vietnam. Um, welcome to the podcast, uh, Maigo. Uh, glad you could join us. Yes, hello, Christian and all the listeners, and thank you for inviting me. Very cool. Um, so, first of all, why did you start this whole journey? Uh, actually, this uh, walking journey uh, started already in May uh, 2014. Uh, and uh, before that, I had done some shorter travel trips. Like uh, when I first uh, became 18 years old, I went to India alone as an 18-year-old and uh, stayed there one and a half months. And uh, mm. after that, I really started to feel like, wow, the, the traveling is, uh, is something I really would love to do more in the future. Uh, and then uh, in the spring of 2014, uh, after reading many uh, travel books of people who had traveled around the world, I started to have this feeling, wow, it will be very uh, exciting and interesting to go for a longer uh, tour to travel many, many years around the world. Yeah. Uh, and then I heard about one Canadian man. I heard his TED talk, how he walked 11 years, uh, over 65,000 kilometers around the world and stayed in uh, over a thousand homes of local people. And then wow. I thought, wow, that is very, very extreme. Before I never imagined that it would be possible for a human body to continuously walk thousands and thousands of uh, kilometers or miles. Then I did some research and found out that over 10 people already have walked uh, and even run uh, like tens of thousands of kilometers in many years. And right. I was totally in shock why they are doing this. Why, why, what is, and how can they do it? And then after yeah. some time, I started to feel, wow, I also have a lot of energy. I could do it. I felt very strong. I, I could really do it, you know, just continuously walk extreme distances. Yeah. And then it became an obsession, a very big dream. I started to feel that I have to do it. At least I have to start. I have to try to start. And then everything in my life, all my relationships, uh, my work, everything very peacefully, very, very peacefully moved to that direction that I have to, mm -hmm. I have to go. All my family members were very supportive, my relatives, my friends. So like life was very softly, peacefully pushing me to that direction. And it just felt like the, 
only a right way for me to continue with my life. Right. So it became a sort of um, intention that um, s slowly guided all the other things you did in life towards this one uh, point of going on this walk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. That's very cool. Um, and so the moment you, you started walking, um, did you prepare a lot? Like, did you read a lot, uh, watch a lot of videos about it, talk with a lot of people who did it? Or how did you prepare for the journey? Uh, from the moment I decided that I have to go, it took me around three weeks to pack all my stuff and organize everything. So quite fast. Uh, before, before that walk, I had uh, went running, like jogging almost every day, five to 10 kilometers. But that was not the preparation for the walk. I just love to have evening runs that gave me right. much better sleep and helped yeah. me to balance. And then I thought, oh, physically, I'm quite fit. So I packed my things and I had my own house in Estonia, in my home country. So I found people to, to rent out the house. And, uh, and I did not do much research. I just, because I go step by step uh, very slowly. So I have a lot of time to uh, make many preparations on the road because the moving tempo is so slow. And at the moment, right. the, day, the day I started, the total amount of money I had in my pocket and bank was total eight euros. So the first week was like that. Uh, I just, I even collected some edible leaves on the roadside, just washed them with big bags and ate them and bought some few breads. But after that, uh, I started to receive the rent and that made the journey easier. Right, right. I see. So you rented out your uh, uh, place that you had in Estonia. Yes, correct. Right, right. And so you, how did you decide on which countries to visit? Was it you just started walking and you would see where you were going or did you have a route planned out where you wanted to uh, walk? Uh, yes, that's a good question. My first goal was to walk through Europe from Estonia uh, uh, to all the way to Greece, to Mediterranean Sea. That was, was my first goal to see if I can do it. Uh, and that took me four months to cross 10 countries in Europe. And uh, my Europe route was quite straight. Uh, and I tried to find uh, some smaller roads, some peaceful roads, not to walk on big highways, but find some parallel smaller roads to really see the people there, the villages, how people are living in the villages. And it's also more peaceful to walk and camp there. And uh, many times I planned my route uh, also according to some UNESCO World Heritage Sites or some other touristic places, uh, which I really wanted to see. And also some countries, the local people gave me advice because they know better. They told me, oh, don't walk that road, uh, go near the sea. It's much more beautiful there mm. or go through the mountains. It's a little bit longer route, but the views in the mountains are incredible. Or uh, try to avoid that area because uh, very high criminality rate there. So go around it. Uh, so I got also advice from local people, yes. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and um, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and, and also followed some of my inner instinct or intuition, which way would be better to go. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, maybe let's talk a little bit about that, about um, intuition and about the fact that um, you seem to have this like very strong drive to walk. Um, uh, you said already that, you know, you, you started running really to get better sleep. But what are, what are things that 
along the way you noticed helped you to continue the journey? Because I imagine at some points, maybe you didn't feel that good anymore about the journey at all. Uh, I felt uh, all the way very, very good. Sometimes felt ah, nice. tired, but but never felt uh, I should quit. Never even right. uh, think about it. Uh, I think uh, the first thing was that the dream itself for me to walk and had uh, always focus on the bigger goal to walk. Uh, like my goal is to walk at least the distance of equator. That's over 40,000 kilometers or over 12,000 miles. Uh, sorry, 24,000 miles. And right. just to focus on that big goal, that uh, the, the dream itself gave me a, a lot of energy because I felt that the dream is very real uh, for me. So it gave me enough energy to do it. Uh, nice. And then uh, what kept me going, uh, it, was, it was not only about the moving or walking, it was uh, see the different landscapes, especially interacting with the local people in different countries, different cultures. Uh, one very, very special thing for me was always to stay in local homes. Uh, I stayed in over 220 local homes uh, together with local families. Can you imagine over 200 families <laughs> in, in very different uh, places, in cities, in countrysides, in jungles, in very luxury places from different financial and religious backgrounds? So for me to stay in a local home was always very, very special. Home is like a, like a ho holy place. And to go inside there and see everything from inside is very special. I imagine a lot of different families have lots of different rituals and habits and things that they do every day. Uh, what were some things that you picked up or you found interesting when you stayed with some of the local wow, families? I, I learned about so many different uh, rituals. Uh, for example, here in Vietnam, how the people are worshipping the spirits of the ancestors. Very, very special that I never saw in my home country or in Europe. Then I learned many things about Hinduism, different rituals, uh, beliefs about Buddhism, especially. And I stayed in many, many Muslim homes in Turkey, in Iran, in Malaysia. So I learned more about Islam, uh, uh, also about Jainism, one religion I never had any... any uh, exposure before right. uh, I learned about uh, chain people and sick uh, people who helped me a lot uh, on the way uh, and to see especially different uh, how to say, different rituals like different weddings are very interesting different rituals when someone passes away how different countries uh, different cultures uh, react to that what they feel they have to do uh, and and also right. I always try to learn keep an open keep open uh, how to say keep myself Mind. open to yeah. and and see all the different differences what are the different things but same time i also try to focus what are the similar things what are the similarities and same human things so i try yeah. to see the both what are the differences what are the same same human things and then somehow connect them or unite them to have some <laughs> united feeling right yeah because i mean so you stayed in a lot of homes of, of people from different religions and different traditions. Um, what, what were the similarities for you there? Uh, for first, basically, we, as a human, biologically, we are totally same. All of us need to right. eat, <laughs> drink, sleep, <laughs> go to the toilet. All of us are born from our parents and also like see the same sun and the moon. 
So biologically, we are very, very same <laughs> and, right, right. and have, have same needs. And all of us have relationships with our family members, uh, our siblings, parents, children, need to eat, need to sleep. So that is one. These are the things that first unite us so much. Uh, and then all of us uh, need to have some, uh, some things to work, some dreams. We, we want some hopes we have for the future. So these are many, so, so many <laughs> So right. many similar so human things similarity. That, that unite us. Yeah. Yeah, because um, from all of those similarities, I mean, my personal journey too has been that, you know, you always find sort of uh, uh, similar ways for people to to keep hope up, to, to you know, care for each other, to um, deal with grief, deal with loss, deal with all these things. Mm, and nice. um, even though they have different religions, they're... Uh, it's very similar to me um, mm. how they deal with it and give it a, a sort of a purpose, yes. so to say. And yes, the human you, human issues and the emotions are same. Yeah, exactly. And did you uh, maybe along the way um, thought about uh, your purpose, or or did you feel that you know this walking is your purpose in this life? <laughs> I, I think about my purpose every single day. <laughs> Maybe mm. even even too much. <laughs> I, I if I know that the walking is just some period in my life. Uh, uh, before before that walk, I had many things, and after that, we'll have many things. So this is just some period uh, that I have to go through. Right. And, and do you have a, a personal sort of uh, inclination towards a certain uh, religion, or maybe spiritual tradition, or some sort of practice? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, when I was younger, my upbringing was mostly Christian and Orthodox mm -hmm. Christian. Uh, and then uh, bef in, when I was a teenager, I never heard anything about uh, the Buddha or, or the teaching of him uh, or about meditation or yoga. I never heard. So when I was first teenager, right. uh, I, I, when the internet started to spread more, <laughs> then I heard about some meditation and some mysticism and, and things like that. Uh, and then, uh, then I found many similarities. Uh, for me, I found wow, Buddha also, like uh, like uh, Jesus of the East, <laughs> you know, they taught also many right. similar things. <laughs> mm -hmm. So for me, they are both uh, very very great uh, teachers. Uh, and and I always uh, I always try to find uh, what are their what was their main message, what was their life, what was their lifestyle, how they live themselves, and what was their message. Uh, yeah like the original message, because nowadays after 2000 or two and a half thousand years later, people can get stuck also in the outer, outer rituals, like which direction to bow and, uh, and many, yeah. many outer, outer structures. Sort of say. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the essence sort of gets, uh, a little bit uh, lost, it seems. Yes. But my, my, my pers personally, I, I feel that uh, try to uh, really uh, feel very clearly what are the positive forces, positive aspects, and what are the negative, the selfish uh, dynamics and things, and how to overcome them, uh, and how to increase the positive ones in relationship with myself, with everybody else, with the nature, and then, uh, and then, but same time there is some kind of uh, deeper unity or deeper oneness that uh, connects us all or some energy that is uh, giving life to everything. 
Yeah, and you you stayed in a Zen monastery for uh, one month. Um, what was your experience there? Did you pick up anything from there? And, and what did you actually do there? Uh, yes, that was a very amazing uh, period of my life. Uh, before that, I was living in Hanoi, the capital of Vietnam, with uh, over 9 million people. Very, very busy, very, very crowded. I would say over-polluted and uh, over-populated. So I felt I need uh, to return to nature uh, find some more peaceful place uh, to be. And then I found about uh, this uh, Vietnamese uh, Zen monastery called uh, Tai Tien. It's uh, one of the biggest monasteries in Vietnam, one of the three biggest monasteries. And first uh, I contacted uh, them if they even accept a foreigner there. Maybe they have right. very strict rules because different monasteries have different uh, rules. Uh, before going there, I had been uh, in a Tibetan monastery in Nepal, just uh, on the foothills of the snowy Himalaya. I stayed a few weeks with uh, some Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist monks, over 100 monks there. Uh, so uh, I, I, I thought I kind of knew what to expect. <laughs> uh, and and then, then I found out that, yes, they really accept. The foreigner would be very happy to accept, but unfortunately, uh, very few of them can speak English. So I have to somehow... Uh, somehow find a way to communicate with them. Uh, then yeah. uh, it's only it's only 70 kilometers away from the capital, so just uh, over one hour bus ride. And in the very beautiful mountains, uh, they say that uh, it's the oldest monastery place in Vietnam, that already in the fourth century, one monk from India had walked there, arrived on foot from India, and then he fell in love with this Titan mountains, and put up his tent there and then some attracted some people and then he started to spread the teachings of the Buddha. And then they built right. a very small, uh, very small temple, very small pagoda there. And then centuries later, it was uh, destroyed and uh, disappeared in the jungle, in the hilly jungle. And later it was discovered again, the ruins of the place. And then they built a very huge monastery there. And nowadays there are... Uh, it's a mixed monastery with monks living in one area and nuns in the other area. And they are coming together for meditation, for prayer, for eating uh, and uh, for some lectures. And uh, it was, it was, uh, it was nice discipline. I arrived there, then they explained me the rules and they asked me to give away my mobile, all electronics, my mobile right. from my camera. But they allowed me to keep my Kindle, the reader, electronic reader. I explained to them that uh, this one don't have internet and they have books here. I want to learn. I have over, I had over 5,000 books about meditation and, <laughs> and different techniques. Wow. And then they said, okay, you can keep that one. And then they asked me to change my clothes to put on the meditation robe. Uh, there are different, different clothes to wear, some for working, others for eating, others for prayer and meditation. And then they explained me the daily schedule that... Uh, uh, every morning the alarm is uh, 3 a.m. Uh, they hit the temple bell. So I have to wake up at 3 and then from 3.30 in the morning until 5 a.m. is a sitting meditation. So one and a half uh, hour in the early morning is a sitting meditation until 5. Uh, and then uh, there's uh, some resting period and at 6 is a breakfast. And all of them are totally vegan, which is very good for me because I've been also uh, a vegetarian now over 13 years. So it was mm -hmm. very perfect uh, for me. Uh, and then there's uh, some daily uh, workings like cleaning some leaves and uh, just cleaning the room and, uh, and uh, some time to learn and, uh, and also helping to do some works uh, if necessary. Uh, 
And, and I was very impressed by the monks and the nuns there. Many of them, most of them cannot speak any English, but we can communicate perfectly with our yeah. smiles, body language, with emotions. We just understood each other perfectly. And I was the only foreigner there for all the time. <laughs> so, wow. and, they, and, they, and the monks and nuns, they really, uh, how to say, what's the word, grew fond of me. They asked me, right. many, many monks said, you should become a monk. Many nuns said, stay here, stay here, become a monk. And they tried to explain them that I, I really love the lifestyle, but uh, not yet, <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. later in my life. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, the, the whole meditating aspect of that, um, it sounds like early in the morning, uh, one and a half hours, I think you said, uh, was that tough to do? It's tough to sit the full lotus for me, like the full mm. lotus put one leg on one hip and then cross. That's, that's really painful. They, they, The monks and nuns, they do it effortlessly. And uh, I just look and <laughs> it, it's, they are so used to it. So I have to change my posture. It's, the sitting is okay. I can, I, can, uh, I can do some deep breathing and calm my mind and have so many different uh, areas to focus on and direct my focus or, or different postures with my hands, my legs, and even with my tongue and, and eyes to direct some energy If I'm too sleepy, I know how to make myself more active. If I'm too active, I know how to calm down. So this was very interesting to just to learn myself mostly in a very selfish way. <laughs> but, but you say you have all these sort of techniques that you know from your own body, how to calm your mind, mind or to generate more energy. Um, did you just learn that by, by doing it? Uh, yes, I learned myself already. First, I was interested in meditation already over... 13 or 14 years ago. So just, just learn from books, different books, different audio lectures, videos, just try to find the, all the time some new, new thing, try myself and then see what works for me. And also mm -hmm. in that walking time, so some techniques really helped me a lot. Uh, uh, after a very long distance walk, how to calm down, how to recover, how to have more energy while walking, how to cultivate, how to cultivate energy while on the road and uh, keep myself positive. Right. And um, uh, what, what about sort of um, the, the people that you, you know, met in the monastery? Um, did you notice, like, would you say, um, hey, I noticed these people meditate a lot. Like, did you notice some sort of difference between them and other people? Or would you say, well, it, you know, it's, it's all different or it's, um, yeah, did you noticed that these people practice so much was there some sort of signals or signs that you thought like aha that's it <laughs> yeah that's a very good question uh, i i think uh, i noticed every individual have their own uh, own thing some monks some young monks they were really shining like their skin was very very smooth and pink like glowing uh, hmm. and, and then there were some older uh, older female nuns uh, who were also very very their smile was just very, very bright, but they were very humble, some older women, and very gentle to see how they move, how they smile. This gives so much uh, energy to me. And, and, yeah. uh, and, if, and, uh, and, but some, some few monks uh, maybe become, uh, there's a downside. If they achieve some state in meditation, uh, I, I felt they maybe become prideful a bit. They have this posture that they are very important and, and, <laughs> have some very high level of something. So this can be a very big obstacle and downside. Uh, 
Uh, and then uh, later I, I, I became closer with one, one special monk who also have a dream to walk many, uh, many, many countries around the world. Uh, that time he was in the monastery and now he's already walking. I, I don't know where he went. He left the monastery. He got the permission. Uh, there's, a, there's a special lifestyle that they can be as a wandering monk. So he got the right. permission from the monastery to walk. And he, he had a dream to walk through Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Myanmar, Nepal, India, exactly the same countries where I came from. He wanted to go other <laughs> way. <laughs> so he was very curious about my journey. And then we talked deeper. And then he said that it's uh, the lifestyle to follow the discipline every morning, three o'clock. And then, uh, then it, it, it's very, he told that it can be very difficult also. And he said, one thing that can be difficult is that when people from outside come to the monastery and then they expect that the monks and nuns are already enlightened or somehow can give them <laughs> blessing or something like that. Right. And then they have to almost yeah. pretend that they are, they have some high like uh, power to give blessing to people. And then he said, it's not true. They also struggle. They have so much inner struggle, you know, uh, sure. how to, uh, how to overcome their inner negative emotions and all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Um, but, uh, um, do you have a, a routine when you, uh, do you get up at a certain time in the morning and do you do, do you have certain, you know, uh, morning routines that you basically did throughout your travels or did they change? Uh, I had, yes. Uh, every, every morning, uh, when I woke up first, I just tried to sit, do some deep breathing, uh, not immediately start to move, like not start to pack my things or, or become active just the coming. And uh, one thing that really, really helped me a lot when I was traveling is uh, to sit uh, with some big trees and also to camp. Mm. Now, uh, 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 when that walking tour took me actually for, uh, to walk 20,000 kilometers, took me four years and three months. And in that period, I was camping over 650 nights, just camping alone. And um, uh, most of the times when it was possible, I put my tent next to some very big tree Right. And just put, put my head towards the tree. And, and every single time when I was sleeping like that, I feel like the tree is also, uh, how to say, somehow the energy inside the tree that gives life to the tree, it helps my, my body somehow influences a lot my, mm -hmm. the energy in my body and give me uh, so much uh, calm, uh, peace. And then in the morning, after I had slept with some big tree, I wake up and very clear, and my breathing is very, very light, very, very light. I feel very uh, easy to breathe and ready to go, like so much power uh, hmm. to go. So, so this was one thing that really helped me a lot. And even now I try to find uh, some time to just sit with some tree. And, and I think there is some, some, uh, some real meaning there because, for example, if you see throughout the ages, some uh, meditation masters, they have sit uh, with trees uh, some periods. Right. There's uh, maybe a sort of uh, transfer of wisdom or a, a sort of connection or interaction between uh, the energy there. Yes, the life force of the tree and the, and the energy, the life force of the human body, they somehow unite their fields and they help each other shortly, yes. Right. And um, you've also at some point started to learn Taekwondo, right, with a, a black belt master. Yes, um, yeah. five, five then black belt master. Did you do that for a certain time or did you pick that up? Was it something 
that you wanted to try or or how did you end up you know doing that uh, this happened in uh, vietnam uh, after i had walked uh, uh, over 15000 kilometers i was in vietnam and then one uh, man wrote to me that he saw one of my tv interview and he would like to join my walk uh, and he asked me to let me know when i arrived to ho chi minh city the biggest city of vietnam he told me that before i arrived there he would come and walk with me a few days hmm. and i did not believe him first but after some weeks passed and then he started to organize a group walk he said i have now five people who are interested to join your walk for a few days then after some time oh now we have 10 people are coming and i was very very <laughs> surprised and then finally uh, 13 people from all parts of vietnam they flew to saigon and then they rented one mini bus came to meet yeah. me on the road and they walked with <laughs> me together five very long days from early morning before the sunrise to late 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 evening after sunset we were walking as a group and uh, one member of that group was a taekwondo teacher he he also knows a lot of chinese uh, kung fu so he became like one of the leaders of our group also and later mm. he invited uh, after we finished our walk which was very interesting for all the people <laughs> in the group to discover their own country and also a lot of challenges so many blisters so much heat people's legs hurted so much and also the logistical part of the group everybody needs to eat needs to use the toilet uh, and have to find a place for right. sleeping which more difficult for a group after we finished the group walk, uh, the, the master uh, invited me to stay in his home, uh, where I ended up uh, staying over two weeks, not a long period of time. But in that period, he taught me some uh, more advanced uh, uh, self-protection techniques that not normally right. are taught to beginners. So uh, I was just living in his home and, <laughs> and I am very bad in stretching. You know, I cannot stretch my legs <laughs> in the ground. So he really right. pushed me in stretching <laughs> and I felt very super painful. My legs are very strong, but cannot do how it's called uh, flat on the on Right, the right. They're, they're maybe not that flexible. They're, yes, that's, that's yeah, correct. Yeah. And, but and, and also some philosophy yeah. also, some philosophy of the protection, like the Lao Tzu said that the good, uh, good uh, soldier is uh, never violent and the good fighter is never angry so we should be uh, and we should not uh, attack he teach me that never attack first you can only use this for protection for self-protection right. but should never use yeah. any any uh, uh, power of uh, or technique of martial arts to attack makes the sense. basic basic thing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so what interests me is that you basically inspired a lot of other people to start walking with you. Um, I mean, somehow this is the only frame of reference I have is, uh, of course, uh, you know, the movie uh, Forrest Gump, where um, at some point he starts running and I think a whole group of people starts running behind him and, and they follow him. It seems to have some sort of like almost a magical attraction to people when someone is just walking did you did you experience that too like that there you know because there, there's so much uh you had so many uh, interviews uh, people talking with you about your journey it seems to um um open up something in people 
Uh, yes, that's true. But Forrest was, of course, running. That's way more difficult. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he even had no luggage. <laughs> he just somehow right. managed Very without true. any luggage. And he took the same route to the ocean then back. <laughs> like, uh, that's true. There, there have been many people who had followed. Also many, many homes that I stayed. The people sometimes, uh, if I stayed in some home a few days, they really wanted to send me out from their village or walk one day, 25 kilometers, 30 kilometers. And, 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 and I think people also love the, the, that it's something different. It's something totally different from their everyday life. So it's somehow exciting and they feel they want to be part of something different or something exciting. Right. Uh, and, and also some people joined uh, my walk just because uh, of uh, my personality. They wanted to meet someone who had walked uh, many years through different countries, uh, tens of thousands of kilometers. They were just curious uh, to meet. And, and uh, other people uh, wanted to have a challenge of themselves. They wanted to prove to themselves that they can do something, walk a few hundred kilometers, for example. They were very driven uh, by something like that. Some people just <laughs> wanted to get away from home, <laughs> from their <laughs> wife or husband, and just breathe, you know, relax sometime. <laughs> right, so and they, they figured walking is good. <laughs> yes, yeah. and maybe a good company. <laughs> Very true. So yeah. people have different people have different reasons. Yeah, and so so um, you also walked uh, a bit, or at least your your mother uh, at some point joined you in your travels, right? Yes, that was very exciting. My mother actually joined first in Greece, then in Turkey, then in Nepal, and then in Vietnam. And because my mother is working in an airport, she have a very cheap uh, stuff flights, stuff stuff ticket flights. So mm -hmm. she'd love to come. And also my sister came and my, uh, my both sisters and my father also came to Vietnam. But the longest uh, journey I had with my mother was also in Vietnam, in central Vietnam. And that was very, very exciting time. Uh, we bought one bicycle, uh, one Japanese bicycle, uh, very good quality, only one. And put mm -hmm. our luggage, uh, we did not have many bags, put our luggage on the bicycle. My mother started to cycle. And because I had no backpack, I, uh, I started to run and the next to my mother, <laughs> we went like that for two weeks, over 220 wow. kilometers through very small, small roads uh, of uh, central Vietnam near the sea through so small villages. Uh, people never seen a tourist there before. So excited to see a Westerner people from the West. Uh, also okay. some big cities, some tourist places, few islands. So it was, my mother was uh, also very strong. So, and we even slept in a tent. I never slept in a tent with my mother. So that really unites us uh, a lot. Right. And it was a very beautiful, very, very beautiful yeah. time. I made a very long video of every day, uh, many vlogs of that beautiful experience. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you have a lot of uh, super interesting vlogs. Uh, anyone listening, uh, I will definitely in the uh, description put down the link for that. Um, what I really... Uh, wonder is is you you went to all these different countries and imagine you you get different kinds of food your diet changes a little bit like I imagine you know in some parts you get maybe more uh, um, things out of the sea and then there are other parts there are more um, yeah there, there's like a, a change in diet and is there some kind of food or some kind of you know snack or something you found that, that you were like this this gives me energy this is what I need mm -hmm. to keep eating 
Yeah, that's a very good question, and I have an answer. Uh, first, like I mentioned, I am a vegetarian now over 13 years, and mm -hmm. I managed to keep it that way even while traveling. Even in many homes, I explain to people not to prepare any meat or fish or eggs or milk to me, and they really understood it. Uh, every, everybody understood it perfectly. Uh, the m one food that uh, gave me a most energy when I was walking uh, and walking extreme distances was peanuts. And the peanuts have a very, very high energy over, uh, I think, 600, over 600 kilocalories uh, and uh, almost double like rice, one and a half times more than rice. So mm. I always, when I found some village, some shop, I always bought some peanuts. I had half kilogram, sometimes one kilogram, just eat a lot of peanuts. And they're also very, very strong. You have some oil and... Uh, and when I had some stomach issues, I always, always uh, ate some peanuts, uh, sometimes almonds, uh, some more expensive nuts, all kinds of seeds, sunflower seeds, uh, all kinds of nuts. Uh. Right. So that's the secret to... Uh, <laughs> and, and a lot of, if possible, everyday fruits, a lot of fruits, get some fruits, mm. sugar and fresh uh, vitamins from fruits. And also, and also vegetables, so fruits, vegetables and nuts. And so you, you, you wake up when the sun comes up or is there a, like a certain time that you wake up? Uh, it was very, very different. It depended on how mm. tired I was. Sometimes I woke up even before the sun woke up at five, four in the morning and felt like a good time to go back. My things continued to walk. Some days I was very, very tired, slept until seven, eight after maybe 50, 60 kilometers of walking. That's over 30 miles. So then I slept more. So just uh, how I felt. Uh, I never had alarm clock. Right. Even in the mo even in the monastery, didn't need alarm clock because they ring a big bell. <laughs> so right. <laughs> could hear that time <laughs> when is the time to do something. So you wake up definitely. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah. And and your whole travels. I mean, there's there must be so many things that you experienced, and and um, you know, we we went through some of those things, but. Um, is there like a, a moment or, or an interaction or, or person or, you know, something that stood out for you in a way that you felt like, um, you know, almost like a spiritual experience? I mean, you talked about the tree and, and sleeping besides a tree. I think that's in a way you could call it a very spiritual uh, experience. Um, what was there some, some other moment that you can recall where you felt like, wow, this person or this this moment really opens my eyes. Oh, that's a very deep and important question. I think there were a lot of times like that, many days, many moments. First thing I re I, I tried to recall one of the time uh, uh, when I was uh, in Turkey, for example, after I had finished uh, walking through Turkey almost hundred days and arrived to the last the big city in my route. And I was walking, walking, and suddenly I, I almost see like a vision of all the people who helped me. And, uh, and not only in Turkey, but, but normally when I walk, uh, especially some smaller places, people see me walking in some villages. They say, oh, why are you here? Uh, where's your bicycle, your motorbike? Uh, here even not don't have a bus stop. How you came here? How you arrived here? Mm. Uh, and then uh, people have helped me a lot, gave me uh, free uh, drink, water, tea, coffee, some food. So many people, over a thousand uh, people like that. 
I always, I never ask food or water. I always insist to pay, but so many people totally refuse and think that I'm rude. And then one, okay. once, uh, first time when I was in Turkey, suddenly I was remembering all the people who helped me in Turkey, who gave me new shoes, new tent, uh, some, and then when I was walking in the snow with even minus uh, 16 degrees Celsius, camping many weeks in the snow, then people gave me a special tent for the winter, some scout, uh, scout people. Then they gave, other people gave me warm clothes, and I was like, almost carried on hand, you know. I, every people I met on the road somehow pre was preparing and giving me something for the future. Then so many people on the road stopped me, give me warm drink, warm soup. You know, when you were freezing, walking five, six hours in the snow, then arrived to some small hut and suddenly get the warm soup <laughs> and warm drink. Then this simple uh, act of kindness from a people you never met, someone you never met, different country, religion, and then receive this human kindness, affection, that feels so familiar, so home. And then uh, after I finished walking through Turkey, suddenly I remember all those people who helped me in one country, only in one country. And they started to shake, just shake, 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 shake. And I understand I cannot continue walk. I very quickly walk off the road, uh, mm -hmm. off the road. And uh, I've just took off my bag and I fall down. Literally, I fall down and started to shake from gratitude. That was the wow. very intense. I just shake and I cry. I even have one photo of it. I cry, cry, cry and shaking from gratitude. Just, uh, and I see almost like see a vision of all those people like there in that moment with me. And I just send them thanks. You know, I'm so thankful. Thank you so much for all the support. And I just yeah. shake like that over 10 minutes and then suddenly continue to walk. And that later that started to happen many, many times in Myanmar, in India, in Nepal just suddenly exit one village and then start to cry again from just from gratitude, from the human kindness. So then I realized, wow, you know, most people not want to make any problem to other people. They want to really help if possible. They worry about themselves, their family. And if they can, they really want to help other people. Uh, and uh, Then there were some, what else? <laughs> Some experiments with different psychedelics on the road, some drugs, some right. psychedelics also mm -hmm. totally shifted my <laughs> orientation in, <laughs> in uh, different groups that I uh, uh, happened to be in. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and that, some natural, right. some natural landscapes, like uh, seeing the Himalaya, sitting alone in top of some mountain with some Himalaya view and some nature, how to say it, the purity, the, the realness of the nature that, mm. that is really yeah. powerful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, so, um, after you walked uh, 30,000 kilometers, you uh, arrived to Vietnam and um, you, um, I have to say it right, I, you, you actually met your partner there, uh, Sam, is that how you say it? Or uh, yes, that's correct. Her name is Sham. Sham. And yes. uh, you became parents. <laughs> yes, uh, we, we met in Hanoi, the capital of Vietnam. Uh, my original plan was, I tried to make it very short. My original plan was to go to China to get, uh, mm. but I didn't get Chinese visa for six months. Uh, and uh, then they gave me some exception. I have to plan my, I have to give hotel bookings for every single night. Then I can get mm. the Chinese visa. But because I don't even know where I will end up normally and stay a lot of homes, so 
that uh, so I changed my route. But while I was waiting the visa for one month, I met this girl, a Vietnamese girl, uh, and uh, she had read my story in one magazine, one men magazine, and said, wow, that is very impressive. I also have a dream to travel around the world. And I would really love to join your walk sometime. And then I tried to discourage her that it's extremely hard, maybe a few days, but for one week even, it's extremely hard. Uh, physically, emotionally, have to conquer yourself every single day. Mm -hmm. And then she told me, I'm very strong. I can even run marathon. Then she started to show me her photos, how she just had ran a marathon last weekend. <laughs> and she had run so many uh, marathons before. Then I said, wow, maybe she's very strong. And mm -hmm. then I told her that I also love to run. When I'm waiting visa here, maybe I could join your running. She went to run every morning. Then she agreed and we started to go running every, every early morning. Uh, after I got information that I cannot uh, get visa, I changed my route. I started to walk all through Vietnam and she sent me out from the city. She walked with me one full day and then we said goodbye. And I thought I would never see her again. But uh, in the next one year, she came to see me, to meet me and to walk together with me in one year, exactly 10 times, uh, two mm. times by bus and eight times by airplane into five different countries to uh, first in Vietnam, then to Singapore, then to uh, Malaysia, to Indonesia and to Cambodia. She just came by plane to walk with me a few days and then went back. And uh, after I had completed walking 20,000 kilometers, I started to have some health issues from carrying a very heavy backpack. Uh, the backpack had blocked my blood vessels in the shoulders, which blocked the blood flow into the heart, which caused some rhythmic problems of the heart. So I ended up being in hospital in uh, Indonesia for five days because of rhythmic problems of the heart. And the doctor said, you cannot carry any backpack. Your shoulders is damaged. Then I, ch uh, then uh, I had to stop. I had to pause my walk. And then she immediately flew to Indonesia. She came there after she heard I'm in hospital. And then she invited me back to Vietnam. And uh, then uh, I paused my walk after 20,000 kilometers, uh, came back to her. Then later we got married and now we are parents of a girl, baby girl, who's now already uh, one year and two months old, who has already traveled a lot. And we are now, we are now preparing her uh, first to travel in the village. Now she traveled in Vietnam already. And hopefully, hopefully this year, uh, I can continue my walking from the same place in Indonesia that I have to pause. And we have a plan that uh, my wife and daughter will uh, move in a small camping car in the same route. And I would continue to walk at least uh, four or five years more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hopefully. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a, uh, wow. That's, that's a, uh, I don't know. I, I just love how, how, um, energetic you are about walking how passionate you are it's so inspiring to to you know hear your your energy talking about it and um you know what i love about it i love that it's it's something that a lot of people don't think of as as a as a as an activity that you can do constantly right they think yeah i walk to the supermarket or i walk to you know there or there they see it as a sort of going from a to b well i think you um in that way you use walking as a as a as a that is the occupation that is your entire day is this walking and this meeting of other people while walking and um i think that's so beautiful how you just uh, discover the world while walking <laughs> yes it's also a form of pilgrimage and uh, also a form of meditation uh, for me 
the walking. Yeah. But, but it's not about exactly. the kilometers. It's not about the kilometers or the distance or about the walking itself. I just feel for me, it helps me to become somehow better person. And uh, so that's the. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to, um, I usually sort of ask a last question for the podcast, which is um, what would you like to share with our uh, audience? That is a uh, a lesson you 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 learned, or something you you know, uh, something that you think is important to share with people who might um, might not be in a place uh, where you are in terms of energy. That they have low energy, you know, they have not much um, passion to do something, um, and you know, maybe they try even meditation. They try these things, but it's very hard. And I think that. Um, um, yeah, that you definitely have something to tell of, of you know, uh, worth to these people. Maybe something that uh, inspired you or something that can inspire some of our listeners. <laughs> mm, very, very good question. Uh, I would love, really love to encourage people to uh, go out. Maybe now because of the virus situation is <laughs> not the best suggestion. Right. But, but after, after the situation becomes better, just go to explore, walk in some new place in your neighborhood, in the city, take a new route, uh, go to some village, uh, just even close by. Visit some neighbors you never visited before. Go to s in their home, see how they are living. And that can really be eye-opening. We not need to travel far. We can even explore our own uh, neighborhood. That's what I'm doing now, for example, with my daughter. We mm -hmm. visit many houses, just see some new place we've never been. So uh, I think uh, the human needs some kind of newness, uh, some new uh, new energy. This uh, this can give energy itself. Uh, then uh, one other thing is uh, very good to do some deep breathing, deep breath, uh, not very shallow in the lungs, but deep breathe very deeply in the stomach, in the very low stomach, uh, and very slowly, especially before sleeping. It can really calm the mind, uh, help to sleep better. Breathe with very down down low body full body breathing uh, very deeply and slowly, peacefully. This can uh, oxygen, oxy, what's the word? Give more oxygen to the, yes. all the cells, give more oxygen, all the cells of the body. And if all the cells of the body have more oxygen, then they naturally, how to say, are more alive, uh, vi vibrate uh, more higher. Then another good way is uh, sometimes uh, take time out just to feel our own heartbeat, uh, the rhythm, the, the beating of the heart, put the thumb on the neck or, or to the heart. And just feel the tempo of the of the boom, boom, boom. Just the just the rhythm of it's like the rhythm of life or the universe, the tempo. And uh, mm. even if we guide our mind to that, if we even focus on that area, focus on the heartbeat, that is something very, very uh, universal and very calming and centering or balancing. And uh, if our mind goes there, then we can also have uh, some new insight or some new feelings or experiences right and, uh, uh, and and try to treat all the challenges that have you know we have many many challenges relationship challenges our own own inner negative uh, things like uh, angers and pridefulness and so many selfish things uh, and so many challenges try to see the challenges as wow this this very great opportunity for me to grow to become better, to become stronger, not to complain about it, but 
use it, use it as an opportunity. Wow, it's a great opportunity to become better and stronger yeah. and yeah. more more positive. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> yes. Before I, I um, uh, end the and our uh, beautiful podcast. Um, what do you do in terms of this breathing technique? Do you do a certain like, you know, like uh, eight seconds in, hold it, eight seconds out, or do you? What kind of technique do you use for your deep breathing exercise? I have used many, many different uh, techniques. Uh, mm -hmm. but be bef uh, before sleeping, for example, I, I do very slow. Like I count uh, just. Uh, Equally, I count, for example, 10 seconds in, 10 seconds out, 10 seconds in, 10 seconds out. If I'm too excited, I want to calm down. Then I uh, count 10 in and 20 out, uh, uh, double the time when I count out, or 5 in, 10 out, 5 in, 10 out. This will calm down the nervous system quite fast. Uh, in the morning, if you feel tired, you can do some very fast breathing. <laughs> Like uh, in yoga, they call it the breath of fire. It just gives ox oxygen very, very fast to all the cells, yeah. activate the nervous system. The, uh, then the, there's one very good uh, technique that um, Wim Hof have discovered, Wim Hof method. Uh, I would really recommend it. This can make the immune system much, much stronger to fight all kinds of uh, diseases, uh, bacteria and things like that. Uh, yeah. I would really recommend people to search about it. And uh, uh, he, he has uh, developed a very good technique uh, while, uh, uh, how to say, uh, while experimenting with extreme colds. He go in the yeah. ice water for hours and climbing some mountains in shorts and running uh, some half marathon in the snow for barefoot, not using any shoes. And he found the ex uh, some technique to resist cold and extreme weather. Um, Sounds good. <laughs> um, thank you so much, um, Michael, for sharing your experience uh, with me and with our listeners today. Um, I will, you know, put a lot of uh, good stuff in, in the description that people can learn more about you and your journey. And um, yeah, I, I really wish you all the best, um, you know, also with your uh, wife and with your uh, baby girl. Um, and um, it was lovely talking to you. I think um, it was definitely uh, a good talk for everyone listening where they feel inspired and, and they feel uh, energetic. So thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you a lot, Christian, and all the people listening. And I feel we should also make one podcast with you. I'm sure you have also so many interesting <laughs> experiences and uh, maybe even catch up after some years uh, what we have what we learn new we have discovered what new things that sounds good that's uh let's do that um let's keep in contact and uh in a maybe a year or, or whatever we can uh talk again see uh see what happened on your journey yes sure perfect all right thank you so much have a great day you too you too take care if you want to know more about mego merck check out his youtube channel linked in the description of this podcast. Shout out to Krish, Ken, Nadir, and Hungry Ghost. Thank you for your support. Remember to subscribe to our podcast if you enjoyed this talk. We are able to do what we do because of your help. If you would like to support us without making any donations, you can simply leave us a review on the platform you are listening to. And this way, more people will be able to benefit from this podcast. Thank you for listening. 
and have a great day.